0: If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran.
1: That's right, everybody. We are back. This is episode 189. What is full stack development? It might sound obvious to you. You might be rolling your eyes right now, but we have quite a loaded episode here we're going to be going over exactly what full stack is of course if you're not sure what it is but then we're going to be going over some decision making stuff like is it the is it the right decision for you and then we'll also be talking about whether full stack development in such a crowded marketplace in my marketplace i mean with all the frameworks and all kinds of stuff out there is it really all that feasible so we're we'll going through a bunch of stuff like that so if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show you can go check us out on that patreon leave a reviewer writing on your podcast app, join us In our discord server or share this with your friends and mike this is a you have the episode you wrote these show notes so i'm gonna let you take it away right now
2: yeah thanks matt uh so yeah full stack has been kind of becoming synonymous with web development i think and I've been a little bit hesitant on that. I've been always referring to myself as a front-end developer. People have constantly been like, but don't you know full stack or don't you know the back end? Like, why are you referring to yourself a front-end? And I realized that that's been happening more and more lately. So like, it's almost looked down upon if you state that you're more more front-end um so i wanted to kind of make an episode countering that uh so take this with a grain of salt because it's my view um but i have done a little bit of research i am in the industry i have done full stack development and i am currently actually doing full stack development so i do have some expertise on the subject uh but it is a little bit of um a little bit of uh dunking on full stack today so i want to just jump right in and kind of define full stack in what i see as full stack right now for you so Full stack developer titles are definitely on the rise. It almost feels like you have to say you're full stack without even without even knowing what that means. So like when you're looking for a job, all you all of a sudden you're going to see a bunch of full stack roles, and you're like, what, "What do you mean? Like, what? Why do I need to say that I'm full stack when I know JavaScript or something like that?" But in base, what what uh, companies actually wants is a developer that can take a idea and create an application or a solution around that idea, pretty much all on their own. That's really what full stack is referring to. It's not referring to a specific technology. It's not referring to a specific quote unquote stack of technologies. If you can create an idea with just front end, then maybe you're still kind of a full stack developer. Um, but in more more likely, what it means. Is that you have this complex problem that you have to solve. And what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to build and design the front end, create the database schema, create the database, create the API routes on the back end, secure the back end connections, create the continuous integration deployment system, create the server infrastructure, manage the server infrastructure, create the backups and manage the backups, you know, work with DNS, uh, work with A multitude of technologies across the entire whatever you need to do, like whatever you need to do to get that project online, secure and ready for a consumer base to use. It's all kind of on you. So like it's it's so much that I can't even mention it all because there's still even more that I haven't mentioned. Like there's still little things inside of like front end development that could be split up and there's still like, you know, a database architect to come in and stuff like that. But that's all put onto one person that's generally hired by a smaller company that's looking to get like their idea online right they're looking to they're looking to test their the test the waters or they're looking to spend as little money as possible so they want to hire a one man wrecking crew like it's a weird concept that you're looking at right now or that I'm talking about but it's something that exists and is becoming more in demand i'm assuming because of the financial positives, right? So these little companies, these smaller companies are really looking to save money or really looking to go to market faster. Because having said all that, like having said all those things together, that doesn't imply that it's a slow process to build it all out. Because when one person's doing it, they know the complexities behind every system. And it's a little bit almost easier or faster, I should say, probably not easier, but faster To make all those connections work and to get that product operational, right? Now I will talk about if that is the right decision for you. And like, I'll talk about some of the negatives of all this because right now I'm just, just defining it, but just know that there's some positives about it too. Like there is some, something to be said about owning the full stack and being able to like design and create it all. There's some there's some acceleration to the process that happens when you don't have to go into a team meeting and split up responsibilities and stuff like that. There's there's some positives. But why I kind of bring this up again is there was a JavaScript survey or a, a front-end developers, or sorry, a Stack Overflow survey that happened in 2020. And 54% of web developers have started to identify themselves as full stack. And I don't know if this is coming from, again, that same kind of sense that I was talking about earlier, where you have to kind of say you're full stack to be a real developer, quote unquote, or is this coming from people that are, you know, dabbled in a little bit of backend and all of a sudden immediately think that they're full stack, when in my opinion, there's still, it's still better to lean and lean towards wherever you're comfortable. Because if you say you're full stack, and you get into a position that requires an actual full stack dev, it's going to be quite a, quite a process for you. Trust me on that. There's so much to learn on every step and that might be great for some people, but for others, it might actually drive them out of the industry. And again, I'll talk about that in a second.
1: There's one thing One thing I do want to mention with, with the full stack as well is obviously like the, the full stack is, is just that, the full stack. But there's a lot of things that you don't almost need to worry about in full stack. So, I'll kind of elaborate there. So if somebody, like you're saying, you know, let's say a small team, one person, two people are going to make something. If they need to make it, as in they need to literally custom design it and custom code literally every bit, then, you know, full stack is almost like its most true definition, I suppose. But in today's market, when you set up WordPress, and I don't mean WordPress the, on the blogging platform, I mean WordPress, the self-installed one, you are touching a lot of that full stack stuff. You're setting up a database, you're setting up, uh, you, you're, you're transferring files, you are getting and choosing hosts usually. Now, again, you could be using one-click installers and that type of thing, but that's actually what I want to touch on is that there's a lot of different tech out there that help either developer. There's a lot of front end stuff out there, like tail end CSS and bootstrap and that type of thing, which can really help say a back end dev achieve front end with just knowing the basics and just sort of dabbling in the basics of front end. And the same thing goes with front end devs getting help with all these tools and different software suites and stuff like that to help them get through the back end stuff. And what Mike and I have is this sort of weird skill set, which I've mentioned before, where Mike and I actually understand even the networking behind the websites. We understand the routers and the switches and all that stuff. But then we might have holes in our knowledge when it comes to, or at least me, like I don't really, I know how to back up databases and install them and import them and export them. I know how to do that type of stuff. But when it comes to, hey, can you go in and change X thing in the database? I'm kind of useless. I kind of need a database architect or at least somebody that knows whatever tech, maybe MySQL, those type of things. I need someone to kind of jump in there. But when it comes to, say, something like WordPress, WordPress is obviously putting in hundreds, if not thousands of entries into a MySQL database. I'm the one that set up the WordPress installation, but I don't know anything about really getting really into the database. And so the kind of like, I guess the point I'm making is, and it, and it talks to Mike's generalist point, where a full stack sort of a generalist in this, is that it's it's this weird sort of definition where it's impossible or at least i would say personally it's impossible to know every single technology out there across the front end and the back end you know you're you're keeping yourself up to date you know all these texts and you go to an interview and you say well i know you know every single framework and every single this i could do ruby on rails php the list goes on and on forever i can also do tailwind css but also vanilla css and i could do this and that there's like this weird sort of um I don't know, helper tech, I guess you could say, that also can kind of assist you in becoming full stack. Or even if you're not claiming to be full stack, like I wouldn't necessarily say I'm full stack, but I can absolutely dabble and 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 at least understand and communicate with someone who is doing the backend. I can communicate and say, hey, we need to fix this. I think there's something wrong with this database entry. I think there's something wrong with the database. There's like enough tech there to help you set it up. And there's enough knowledge there to have a communication with it. So there's like a lot of stuff out there where if you're trying to become a full stack dev right now, there's a lot of stuff out there, like as I've said several times, but there is a lot of stuff out there that is there to help you. And you could use that to sort of smoothen out those holes or those bumps in the road that you would have only understanding general things. An example is you might be a sysadmin. To take it out of web development directly, you might be a sysadmin that really, really, really understands Ubuntu. So you can take those skills and transfer them over to something like Fedora. But you have to remember that these compute these OSs are are generalist OSs, right? To sort of fill, to sort of bring it into the full stack thing. Full stacks generalist. These OSs are generalist. They do some networking. They help people. You know, just browse the internet or they help people make servers. They help, you know, it's like it it just keeps going and going and going. So because they themselves are generalist, you as a sysadmin may think, I know everything about Ubuntu. And then all of a sudden, one day the network card stops working. You do your generalist thing. You turn, you know, you do the port up, down, you're messing with the network card, this and that. And there might be something so specific with like a driver and you could get so into it and just become like the network interface card or the NIC specialist. You could get like super into it. The point I'm getting at is that your skills are transferable. You know, some front-end guys on not back-end tech, some back-end guys on front-end tech, but there's so many little areas where you could become, you could become a super uh, talented WordPress dev, making things absolutely run perfectly, really good page speed scores. You know the tech, you know all that, but maybe you actually don't know SQL too well you really could have that hole in your knowledge. And there's tools out there to help you and obviously Google and stuff like that. So there's a lot of different things in tech where you you just become a generalist because something like, again, an OS... Does so many things in the background. There's drivers. There's network cards. There's CPU stuff there. Maybe the CPU and architecture has USB problems. There's USB problems. There's things with the board. There's voltages to consider. There's overclocking. There's not overclocking. There's the RAM. There's, th- there's different speeds of RAM. Like it gets to the point where you cannot know everything perfectly. You cannot know everything absolutely. And so that's kind of what a full stack developer has basically become because there's so much it's not it's no longer just html css js php it's no longer that i don't even know if it ever really was only that but that would be sort of like a vanilla stack i would that i would think up off the top of my head but it's like it's now no longer just that you can do so many other things and it's just in my opinion again it's it's impossible to become a specialist in absolutely every step
2: yeah. And that, 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 that's where the full stack definition kind of gets a little muddy, where n- does knowing a little bit about those technologies make you a full stack dev? In some ways, I guess, yes. But in a traditional sense, if you're responsible for every piece of an application in terms of security, scalability and all that, and you have a, a full stack dev, and I say that in quotes, um, doing that with the help of all these helper tools, depending on the scale of your application, it's going to become a problem. And that's where I'm going to talk about like right now in this segment. But it's it's a very interesting thought because the positives that you outlaid, like, hey, there's tons of tools that can help you do it is absolutely true. And the other thing is like, is full stack development right, the right decision for you? Like I'm going to just going to jump in. It's important to have those skills to, or to, it's important to have that like base knowledge of some of these technologies. If you're a front end dev that has no idea what's going on in the back end, it's going to be way harder to interface or even interact with the back end development team, right? Because you're not going to know what to even ask for. But if you go in there and you start like making your own APIs a little bit, get some shallow knowledge, at least of what's required of a back end dev, that's going to make you a much better developer. In terms of creating robust code in terms of interacting with backends and in terms of being more understanding of the team that you're working with because if for all for all you know if you have never experienced the back end it only takes two seconds to spin up an api and who cares about security because it's easy or something like that like that could be in your mind because you never touched it but really all that stuff as soon as you start delving into it on a custom level is taking like one step at a time, all that stuff takes. So you know, like, Hey, I'm going to request this route. It might take two weeks because of, because of the fact that you have to, you know, create the database entries, create the, create the schema, create the API, secure the API, test the API, do go into production deployments, go into test deployments, like all this little, all these little things add up and having that on the same level of communication is going to make for a much better cohesion in a team and a much more. A much more robust product in the end, because again, if the front end developer knows some back end, the back end developer knows some front end. If something goes wrong, it's easier for one or the other to pinpoint what's happening. There's so many positives about at least having some shallow knowledge of both. And does that make you a full stack developer? I don't know. Like I don't. Maybe that's what people are looking for. Like maybe that's why there's so many full stack developer. jobs out there. Like there's literally postings for a full stack developer. There was one posting, which was baffling to me for a junior full stack developer. And I'm like, junior full stack. So so you want them to just barely know any of the technologies. Like, I I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know what that means. And uh, I think that it could be kind of a negative to hire someone that knows nothing about everything. (laughs) Like it's, it's a weird situation, but maybe they were, they were talking more about like, a developer that at least has some, you know, sh- deep knowledge in one, but some shallow knowledge in another. And that is a positive. That is a huge positive for you, in my opinion, when you're learning. That's why a lot of these boot camps are teaching you the full stack. They're teaching you the Mern stack, or they're teaching you the LAMP stack, or they're teaching you, you know, the the Svelte stack or the Vue stack, whatever. Like they're teaching you this full stack so that you at least have some knowledge of each one. A lot of them are focused on the front end, but they'll let you understand the back end because it is a key skill to have. And like Matt was saying, there are a lot of tools. Like for myself, I am self-proclaimed front end developer, right? But currently I am doing some back end stuff. I don't know SQL. Like Matt was, that was a perfect example, Matt, that you brought up. I personally don't know SQL queries. There's a tool called Prismic, that will abstract the SQL queries essentially into regular JavaScript functions. They're super simple to use. Find many, find all. Like they're just regular extensions of a JavaScript function. That's much more simple for me to understand. I'm able to use my JavaScript knowledge as well as a little bit of my backend knowledge to easily create these queries and interact with any SQL database out there. Then I I don't really know how to start a database. Like I don't know how to start a scalable database, right? Like, I, I've played around with Mongo. I've played around with Pro, uh, Postgres. I've played around with SQL, but I'm not like, I wouldn't rely on myself to do a production ready, uh, scalable database in any of those languages. But there's a, there's an, a tool called PlanetScale that will create those, that database for you. It'll abstract the creation of the database. It'll give you all the endpoints. It'll interact with Prismic, the SQL query thing that I just talked about. And It'll do all that for me. Do I need sharding? That's like scaling a database up and down if it gets too wide. Like it, it will do so much for you. And there's tons and tons of tools like that. No JS for the backend. Like before Matt was saying PHP, but that's a completely different language. Well, if you're a front-end developer like me, I'm much more comfortable with JavaScript. So now I can go into Node and I can code in one language. So that does make it a little bit easier for me. So I am able to kind of reach out and go into the backend without going too far away from my comfort zone. And it keeps happening like that. Like for, for backend developers, I'm sure stuff like Angular or Vue or Svelte or J or React is a, is kind of amazing because again, it, it, it treats, it's more of their paradigm. It's more of the MVC approach. It's more of their, Kind of more t- like TypeScript, for instance, is another big one. Like they're more comfortable with that a lot of the times. They're more comfortable with more structured code base and they're more comfortable with those kinds of tools, framework level tools. So it helps them bridge that gap. And there's, there's for deployment stuff, there's for cell, there's Netlify, like there's GitHub pages. There's so many of these app uh, tools out there right now that make deployment a breeze. You just hook up your, GitHub repo to it and it automatically deploys whenever you push to the GitHub repo. Like I don't have to learn any of the, any Apache stuff. I don't have to learn any Nginx stuff. I don't have to learn any CLI. Like I literally can deploy an app through a Git from a GitHub repo. I don't have to worry about anything else. If I need to dive deeper into it, that's where the problem comes because when you're creating a robust application, even if you have all these tools. You're going to have to dive deep into each one pretty much. If you're, if you're worrying about security, if you're worrying about scaling, if you're worrying about all this, it's going to require knowledge of every level. Is it possible? Are there developers that do that right now? 100%. But is it, is it realistic to hire a developer uh, right off the bat and expect him to be able to spin up an entire infrastructure for you. That's scalable. That's uh, usable. That's a good design. Like a lot of these front full stack developers are even doing design like that. To me, that's crazy. Like design is a whole other aspect, a whole other part of development uh, that in my opinion should be kind of separated a lot of the time, unless you're doing your own personal projects. But like having one person do all of this stuff, Is yes, maybe a monetary benefit, maybe a cost saver. But in the end, you're going to be creating a situation where you're building too quickly. You're relying too heavily on one person. And with today's market, that's a dangerous thing. Think about it. You put all your, all your money into one person and they have, they get all these skills and then leave after six months, leaving you what you have a a massive infrastructure that's developed without any oversight. And now you're bringing some people in. You might have to bring in very expensive consultants to come in and tell you that they have to overhaul the entire thing because it was built incorrectly. That's a very realistic thing. And that happens all the freaking time. So those are the thoughts that I want to put into people's heads from the hiring perspective. From the, again, I've talked about a little bit from the uh, personal perspective, like if you're learning right now, do I go into full stack development? Do I say I'm a full stack developer? Do whatever it takes to get in. If you need to learn a little bit of backend and a little bit of database stuff, learn that stuff to get in. Because if the, if the industry is that way, like I said, 56%, 54% of web developers are identifying as full stack, then I think you have to conform. You can't, you can't like expect to go a different route and hope to be better than everyone else. You have to play the game. That's the reality of it. Do you have to learn all the technologies deeply? Well, I just explained that you don't because not a lot of people do. So hope that people are hiring full stack developers so that they have the opportunity to cross train them so that they have the opportunity to have a a developer that works front end but knows some back end so that they can communicate with the back end team. That's the be- that's idealistic view of someone that's hiring a full stack developer, right? That's it's it's possible that a lot of companies are looking for that because I would be looking for that too. I don't know if I'd specifically hire for a full stack quote unquote. I would probably hire front end and in the description say, prefer, preferably with a little bit of knowledge, some shallow knowledge into these technologies. Uh, and that's kind of where I would go with it. Right. So like, I think it's important to have that understanding that a full, a full stack developer is not a a good replacement for an entire development team.
1: There's 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 a thing that I wanted to touch on as well, and I touched on it as you were talking as well, is that there there is there is a lot in tech that web does touch that many web developers probably don't realize. An example would be when Mike and I were in college, we did a, a couple of server admin courses, and these server admin courses, I think there was two of them, and we would learn Windows Server, we would learn. Linux server. I think we were maybe using Fedora or maybe Ubuntu. I don't remember which server it was, but we would learn these servers. And we would also learn, a li- I think we also learned a little bit of Ubuntu, the sort of consumer version, the one that is a more generalist or whatever, the or not, not a more generalist, but a more consumer-facing, fami- consumer excuse me, has a UI, stuff like that, just like you would see with, say, Windows. And what's super fascinating to me is that there are people that have all these technologies under their belt in just the web development sphere, running on servers that they have no idea how they're networked together. There are like, you are working so closely with sysadmins that if you're like a freelancer, you, you you probably won't even really talk to the sysadmins short of maybe messaging your host when something goes wrong. But those sysadmins are working to keep those shared hosting and VPS, especially managed VPS and those type of things available to you. Even dedicated servers that you're renting, um, that you're not running out of your own home, home type of thing. Like, think about the amount of stuff that goes into this. There is, like, if you just start at almost, well, what I would say is the beginning. Think about the the, the power, like the electricity requirements of running all those servers. Then you have to remember that there's the actual servers themselves of which you need to consider that they need to work properly, be configured properly, set up properly, but also the amount of cooling that is required for that type of thing. So you need, at this point, you need some electrical experience. You need to have a facilities person. You need to have, for the AC and stuff like that, you need to have property to do this in. You need to have all this other stuff, but then you also need to consider well, what about this at scale? So if we bring it back to Mike in my class, we would do stuff with a little bit of scaling, like we would say, oh, these are server clusters. And maybe you have your accounting cluster if account, if the accounting department has a lot of stuff, and then you would have your it cluster and they have all the it tools and stuff like this. But what happens when you have something like 10,000 players, 10 million players, 1 million players logging into a game, 10,000 office workers logging into something like is an, is a single Excel spreadsheet on some network store? Hell, is 10,000 people accessing the same network store feasible? What about the backups for that? What about the... The ne- what about the networking? Like you, you, you in your house might have a, like a, even if it's complex, you have a bunch of switches, maybe a couple of routers, this and that. If it's at its most complex at its simplest, you have a router, sometimes a router, a router modem combo. You might have one appliance in your house for all of your networking needs. You have one appliance. I have quite a few because I have a bit of a complex network setup, but think about if 10,000 people decided to go on your one ethernet port in your bedroom or in your, in the other room. Like, is 10,000 people's traffic going to work? Is that the ISP's problem? Maybe the ISP is up to it, but your local networking isn't. And these data centers have to consider they are connected to the internet. They also have a website that does all their e-commerce. They also have to have all this electricity, all this facility stuff, the AC, the actual land, the, or the, the land slash the facility to put these, these, these servers in. They also have to be powerful enough and they have to be networked enough and they have to have load balancing. Like this is like you without realizing it or more than likely without realizing it, you are working so closely with so many other different areas like there's several times. One of them is today. We have a, a server maintenance coming up today, and it is for a a physical maintenance task where a server has to come down. And it we it was told us told to us maybe with a little under 48 hours notice. So clearly, it's something that has to be done right away. Maybe it's like a RAM stick or something. They don't tell you all the details right for security. But it's like there are physical implications of having a server we've had outages planned where pe- they will say hey we're moving data centers we have to physically move your thing and then they'll they'll disclose your data is on this hard drive this is how it's being transferred transported this is this is how we do this we recommend taking a backup because in case something happens to the transport like how like we're one step away or even two steps away from so many other fields when it comes to web development that it's super easy to forget when you just log in to say your Lamp Stack shared hosting. But like now there's, now there's also complexity within just the web dev field where we have divisions of just web dev that work on top of all this stuff. It's, it, it's, it's crazy how close we work with other industries without really seeing it right in front of our face.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think like these people that hire a full stack developer to do their entire system are looking for that genius, that unicorn, that 10x developer, right? Like that's what they're that's what they're hoping for. But the reality is is that you should never try to hire that kind of person. If you, whether you hire them or whether you build one or whether you train one up, that's great. Like it could happen, whatever. But it's almost like winning the lottery. Like these people are very rare and to have someone that can do the full stack reliably and know all this stuff because of the networking the, the the server infrastructure all that takes knowledge of each one just relying on the fact that you're going to hire someone to do that is a it's a it's a it's a kind of a lost cause in my opinion i don't i don't think you should do it that's why i think it's much more sustainable to try to hire several like several people to create your application and then you might not have to rebuild it right away because there is one thing to be said in terms of full stack development if you want to get a product idea out and test it as quickly as possible and you're perfectly okay with once it's been tested and verified to fully rebuild from the ground up with a team that's when I think it's an kind of an okay thing to try to find that a developer that can kind of get your idea out to market. Doesn't have to be a unicorn. Doesn't have to be a tax developer. It just can be a developer that knows some of the full stack. Cause like I said, there's tools out there that can help you, but you have to understand that there's a very good chance that most of your infrastructure that you've, that they've built out will have to be piece by piece rebuilt to support massive amounts of users. There's so much to system design when you're talking about scaling an application that requires several people oversight, that requires architects, engineers, it requires a significant team to come up with that one person just 99% of the time won't be able to handle, no matter how good of a developer they are, honestly, right? It's just, it's one of those things. And it's important to, I think, understand that as a limitation of yourself, because a lot of people will go into a role of a full stack role and they might start to get burnt out because they thought that they could have handled this better. But really, if you're being asked to take on every single hat, like every single role, and you, you're you struggling with them, it's not indicative of your your talents as a developer. It's indicative of the company's that hired you and asked you to do this extravagant amount of work yourself, in my opinion. And it's, again, it's one of those things that can easily churn out a a high turnover in your company and and burn out a developer straight out of development. Because think about it, imagine if you were to hire that junior full stack developer to build out your entire application and they get stuck and stuck and stuck, and, and they just have no one to look to because there's no mentorship they're going to get burnt out you're going to have a bad product everyone's going to have a bad time you're going to lose your faith like the company's going to lose their faith in development development's going to lose their faith in a company it's just going to be a very bad relationship and what i want to do is i want to go and talk about what i think is a better approach especially for a company with funding especially for a company that has the room to hire people i think it's much more sustainable to go in and actually hire a traditional development team Where people can focus, where people have – there's a a little bit of a hierarchy where people have have people above them like a senior and a junior. That kind of stuff, that kind of development world is much more conducive of better projects, of better applications and less turnover and higher chance of success. So we're talking – you know if you have if you if you need the full stack development team you're talking a front end lead front end developers under them so that there's some hierarchy they're building out the UI UX of your app they're also connecting with the back end api so this is where i where i bring back that like they have to have a little bit of a full stack understanding but not a focus then you need a back end lead and a back end devs to build out the back end and they'll, they'll be responsible for your uh, database stuff, the, the database schema, the sharding, the scaling of the database. They'll be responsible for all the APIs, the routes that you have to create. And they'll be responsible for securing the backend. Because security is one thing I didn't even really touch on. But <laughs> again, when you have one person looking at a project and being responsible for every single thing, I guarantee you there's going to be security holes, 100, 100%. So you got to be okay with that. But again, with the team, you ha- you start to alleviate that problem. Then you get a DevOps team. Those are the people that are going to be responsible for standing up servers, de- networking a little bit, create and maintain deployment workflows, support backend, se- security teams. Like You start building these kind of, not, not silos, you start building these separate entities within your organization that can help each other, that can interact with each other. And another important thing to do is sometimes do a little bit of cross-training together. They have that opportunity to learn a little bit about, about the full stack but they're not responsible for it. So if someone were to leave, maybe you do internally move someone around. But now, okay. So, I mean, worst case scenario, you take a backend dev, you put them into frontend, or you take a frontend dev, put them into the backend. Yes, that's asking them to learn something new, but they're not, they don't have to maintain an entire frontend while learning a complex backend system. It's much more reasonable. And it's actually a very big benefit for your company. Cause again, if the front-end guy, frontend system goes down, at least there's a way for him to help out a little bit. I'm just saying like I think that there is this move to full stack development and everyone wants to be a full stack developer. But I think we need to (laughs) kind of slow down a little bit, look back and think, okay, why didn't we do this before? And there are many good reasons why we didn't. I I mentioned them in this whole thing, but it's just like why, why this sudden push? Like I don't understand why everyone needs to know everything and then label themselves as knowing everything and then put, get put into situations where they're most likely going to burn out. Like that's what, that's the situation we're in right now.
1: Well, there, there comes, this kind of comes down to something that I, you and I had talked about before where, um, you know, there, there's sections even of just say straight up web development that you'll forget. Like it's very easy to forget that um, just because you're not on an IT team doesn't mean you won't be engaged for support. And if you are, you know, the Jack of all trades, and, you know, a master of none and you build out a big web app for somebody. That big web app is not always, but depending on the agreements you have in place can be on your shoulders. And if it, if it goes down and it has problems, it's very easy to forget. That you are going to more than likely, again, depending on agreements and team and all the rest of it, but you may be the person that is that is engaged for support, and that support may be on a Saturday or maybe on in the middle of the night or whatever. Um, and like you're gonna, you could be engaged for support. That's just one little thing that you could. Well, it's not little, but that's one thing that you really could forget as a web dev. You might think, well, I, I built this and it's done. I guess that's it. But Problems happen with stuff where we we even just as recently as right now we had a we had a client that uh, talked to his host. He purchased a package deal of some features. The host goes in; they're not you know a master of the site that we set up for him. There's a number of years that we set this up. They go in, they turn on a suite of product, a suite of features, and it works for a couple of days, and then two, three days later. It starts to act up and then it breaks and then he engages us for support. Now there's no big support agreement put in place. There's no big emergency and it took me a couple of days to get back to them and stuff like that. Of course, because there's no big emergency with it. But if you are in a team where you've built a big web app, you have to remember that you've built a big web app. There's going to be people using it and you very well could be the support person. Um, and if you're not a really big expert in an area, And that's where the failure has happened. The amount of stress and burnout that you may experience trying to figure out what's wrong with the database or you're constantly recovering from backups or something like that because you're constantly experiencing problems. It's very stressful. And by us not having sort of separate um, roles or slash positions in a company and we're starting to meld them all together – it makes sense sometimes at a very small scale, as we mentioned, with one or two people, where you know you could have an HTML static site up for years. And I think DigitalDynasty.ca is just like almost like pretty well an HTML or a, almost a web one website because we really don't drum up leads that way. That's just not how we do it. So we just have a site there for presence, and that's kind of it. Um, but like realistically speaking. You know, we just leave like we we don't we don't mess with that every day because it's not complex and you could leave that. But there's nothing saying that the host could not have a serious problem and we have to get engaged to fix our own website. You know, there's already, as I mentioned before, from the electrical to the facilities to all the rest of it, all these people involved, something can very well go wrong and redundant systems do help. Absolutely. But there's a reason why some websites will work forever. You'll go to shut down, you know, old whatever sites, gaming sites, news sites, whatever. And you'll go in there and it, they're still up. No one's really maintaining them. They've just been left. Maybe the bill's been paid for five, 10 years in hosting. So they just sit there being unused and they're still around. But then you go to say, for whatever reason, you go to say, sign up or log into your old account. And then that's broken. You know, these problems do do occur. And it's like, where does the problem lie? So it, it, especially if you're full stack, you know, imagine being full stack and you, and you mostly really don't know MySQL commands. And then suddenly you have a very serious problem and it's in the database. And it's either, well, do we delete the database and restore from backup? But then you might have to delete the, all the front end stuff and restore that because maybe people have uploaded files, uploaded photos, but then now the progress or the changes on that site are now have to be considered. It's something that it's, it's really, it really is a problem. Um, and it's something that really should be considered. And I also want to touch on one other thing as well, is that in, in these considerations, you know, I get it like as an HR rep, I mean, I'm not an HR rep, but if, if I were to imagine myself in the HR rep sort of position, it's it's probably very convenient to say, we need a website personnel. Okay, well, we can go with two people or we can go with one. Okay, well, let's do that. And then if we expand the team, we'll constantly go with the one person, which is full stack, instead of front end and or back end, because it's convenient. But they, they don't, they may not, because they're non-technical, they may not break up website versus web app. Many people, many places have their marketing website and then they have more complex pieces of that website on other services. Maybe even the e-commerce is broken out. Maybe the learning platform's broken out. Maybe the forum's broken out on a subdomain, right? The, there's, there's a separation there. But if you're not technical, you don't know. Oh, I'm just on the site. I don't know. I just clicked on forum. It loads. They don't realize that Maybe you don't really need a lot of database and a lot of database help or a lot of uh, backend tech and knowledge for a WordPress site. You probably don't even really even need that much front end, depending on how how you get it installed. But maybe you can't get forums working effectively on, on WordPress for whatever reason. So now you got to use some other web app or build it custom. And so people that are non-technical that are involved in the recruitment process are not going to realize the tech that they're hiring for and they're not going to understand the difference. If someone says they're full stack, like to them, it's like, oh, well, you're full stack. It's like me hiring a plumber versus a router. Like, I don't know. Like I didn't even know there was a difference until like two years ago when we started having a bit of plumbing problem and had to get a router involved. And then they couldn't do one of the pieces of the job because they weren't a licensed plumber. I had no idea there was a difference. Why? I call a plumbing place, tell them the problem. They send somebody out. So it's almost like to the HR rep, it's curated. And and I think that if, if we want to have a change and and have it so that at the very least that they're informed, it would allow them to make a more informed decision in their hiring. Hey, we know this is a lot of work for one person. You know, we have two web app and one one website. Let's let's call someone up. Rather than it just be let, let's call two more people up, rather than it just being, well, it's just one website, right? I think that there needs to be more conversation, especially with recruitment staff, as things become so much more
2: reliant on technology. Yeah. I mean, I I think just uh, for myself, like let's talk about myself. I kind of wish I was in a situation where it was a little bit more siloed in the sense that I could focus on one technology. But right now as it stands, I can't – like I am sort of a full snack dev working on proof of concept projects and hoping that if they come up, I'll need to – I'll expand the team and make sure that we have enough infrastructure to support it, right? Like I'm I'm in the sense that like I'm okay with what I'm building right now because I know I'm going to – if to scale it, I will need extra resources, extra people and all that, right? And that's an okay take. That's fine. Like I said, I mentioned earlier in the episode. But I kind of wish – I have the opportunity to work and focus on one stack because I think I could expand my depth of knowledge much more than having to constantly worry about something going down on different things that I'm not comfortable with. Like I, like Matt was saying, you know, the the database, all that that's a constant worry for me because I can't go in there and in 5 seconds develop like figure out the issue. I would have to spin up quite a bit and figure it out and it would take a long time, but I could, I'll eventually get there. It's just something that adds on to my worry. And a bunch of this stuff keeps adding until the point where it just becomes too much. So that's why, again, another reason I wanted to bring this up, another reason I wanted to have this conversation is I think we need to start thinking about developers like mental, st- mental stability. We need to start thinking about a way to keep developers at their jobs. And maybe even retention, like, oh, my God, retention. Like, no one cares about that right now. I I get it. Everyone's hopping jobs like crazy. Um, And at at the risk, like, I I like the fact that our industry has such high salaries. And that's why people are hopping. But it also, in my opinion, not sustainable. Like, you can't, you know, the salaries are going to keep going up because there's not enough junior developers to fill the roles. And everyone's going to be outbidding each other to get that one developer that can build everything. And it's going to get to a point where there's just not enough developers out there because we've purged, <laughs> we've purged the bottom that just couldn't take it. We need to start kind of start building the base. Like we need to start training the people correctly. We need to start, uh, allowing people to come in with zero experience with the knowledge that if they're going to take a couple of weeks or a couple of months, sorry, to, to get up to a speed that they're actually going to be pretty useful and productive. We're not doing that right now. Like the industry as a whole is not doing that right now. Obviously, there's some jobs or some employers, especially smaller startups that are thinking about this and are actionably hiring people and helping. That's awesome. But as a whole, if you take a look at the situation like for for hiring, like if you're a junior developer out there, you know that it's not easy to get a job at all because junior developers are expected to have three years of experience in technologies that haven't even existed for three years. Like it's insane. And again, bring it back to the full stack, like a junior full stack developer makes absolutely no sense. Because how can they be a junior if they're a full stack developer? A full stack developer needs to have knowledge in all different technologies. They need to be a developer. Like a real developer that can solve problems regardless of the stack of whatever it is. I don't
1: know. Do, like it, do you know what that you know what that little thing you just said? I know you said a couple times, but it what popped into my head right there is IT levels. There's a reason why, you, and even in web development, you contact your host and they'll escalate stuff. There's a reason why their IT teams, which are usually generalists by their own right because they work on just tech in general, but there's a reason why IT people have levels and have specialists. Hey, we need to escalate this to level two. Level two has some sysadmins, they have some of this, some of that. You know, it depends on the company structure. But there's a reason why there's levels. Oh, 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 I need to go talk. Like, I, I used to be level three, four. And if it, if it went above my pay grade, I would literally have to call my tech leads up. And then my tech leads, like when I used to work in IT, then my tech leads would help. And they, they would know a little bit of programming and they would know a little bit about the development. Or they would know, hey, actually, this has got to go to the networking guys. This is out of control. And then it goes to the networking. It's almost like with web development, there's no, super clear division or like, there's no like super clear, um, organization yet. Whereas like it more or less, like there's some variance between companies, but you have your level one people, which are help desk. And then you have your level two and this and that, and level three and level four and the desktop guys, you know, all, all you have these sort of more or less standard or standardized at least divisions. And, and you go to certain people, this is the database architect. They work on the database. They know nothing else, you know, or they, they, or we don't, we don't expect them to know anything else type of thing. Whereas with web dev, it's like, well, you know, something like something's wrong with the site. Like we had a, we had a site go down uh, on a whim, a web app go down and it was just somebody tried to delete something in the CMS and it threw a big, threw a big error. And I'm not going to get into the whole, the whole thing of it, but like I had no idea. And, and what it was, was it was that one thing just did not delete correctly and it didn't kill all of the relationships. And I'm probably describing this incorrectly, but it didn't kill all the relationships that it should have when it was in the database. And it's just at that point, it's just toast. And so I had to have somebody that we work with who actually knows databases to go into the database and actually fix that. Left to my own devices, my only thing I can do is to basically IT it, which is I'm just going to have to wipe it and restore from backup because I literally don't know how to fix that. I'm not going to go and learn a whole like set of skills because even if I learned it, I wouldn't really know to look for that. I had no idea. Like to me, it's like, is this, you know, this is this little web app OS, if you if you can call it that, is this little web app OS broken? Is this CMS broken? No idea. There's no way. And that's why you have to have like those specialists. And and obviously we do have, like, like we've already mentioned the divisions, front end and back end. But it's almost like we should have even like we should have levels where it's like, this person does it does all the stuff with the hosting. This person does all the stuff with like With like the like the just the databases, it's 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 almost like we have to go back to that or meld with IT or something, because I think you're right with the sustainability. Is it's like I can't like like how are you supposed to remember all this and then stay up to date? Like there's just there's just no way. And so you might be there thinking, oh, these guys are just whining, and like I can do it. Well, I don't know. Then get a higher wage than me, but. Like to me, I, I do agree with Mike in this case is that I think that it's unsustainable. Some people may be very talented and can do absolutely everything. And that's great. And that's not trying to talk down to them and they'll get probably get paid more. But for the people that are, say, you know, in it for a specific reason or they prefer one of the sides like front end or back end, it's very difficult to them. Like imagine imagine you're in a very small company and they have a networking closet where it's literally just one closet where all the networking stuff and the, and the, and the main server goes down. How are you going to tell that person to go in there and fix that? Like, i just, I don't know, go in there. They're going to go in there and they're not going to, they're not going to understand a patch panel from a switch, from the node balancer, from the router, from, to the server. It's just, it's no way. And there's so many pieces of web development now that, you know, API, the static stuff, what, like the CMSs, are you using remote services? Is there something wrong with the internet? Is there something wrong with the network? Is the database having trouble? Like it's so, it's so complex. That I do like, like with Mike, I do believe
2: that it can, it could be considered unsustainable. Yep, exactly. And I I, again, it's it's one of those things that I might be wrong on this, and I'm okay with that. And I I I would love to hear people's takes in the um, just you know, at us on Twitter, HTML everything, Uh, but. It's just—it's one of those things that just seems so wrong to me at this point. Like I—I again, I—I've talked to a lot of junior developers. I know their struggles, and this is part of it. Like you can't expect someone to be able to do all this all on their own. It gets too much. You're putting too much on them. Even if they were to able to cobble something together, to sustain it and maintain it and scale it is just insane. The amount of stuff that you're putting on someone's shoulders. So, I, just a food for thought. I wanted to kind of cover it. I know people are talking about full stack, and I wanted to. I wanted to bring my own thoughts into it. That's all. I, I think that's all I have to say, though, Matt. Do you have anything else? Well, I actually did
1: want to mention one thing, um, is that, you know, as web apps and websites get more complex, you know, we, we, we're starting to interact with them differently. And it kind of comes down to, you know, a lot of it is is very much more or less filling out forms and, you know, like it, setting up a – Entering an email form and setting one up using software uh, versus you know say writing in a blog is is functionally very the same. You're filling out forms, you're filling out titles, you're maybe clicking and dragging some stuff. There's some media there, but I think where these complexities and where the unsays uh, the like is it unsustainable or insustainable? Unsustainable, I think. But the, the where the unsustainability probably wrong, but where the unsustainability comes in is really where things start to hit hit the the fringes of where web tech can go i'll give an example so i i rented a u-haul a number of years ago uh moving some furniture it was just a van and i went into there there's like a remote thing where it's like, you know, drop your, if if the store in which you're dropping off your thing is, is closed, you can still drop it off. You drop the key into like a remote lockbox You walk around, you like open up this web app, you walk around the van with this, with this app, and it'll tell you what to do. And it'll say, you know, step one, open the door. Okay. Take a picture. Step one, step two, doing this. And I noticed that when I did that, the camera photos were absolutely like rancid, like they were horrible photos. And so I tried to take a photo with my, just my camera app and then try to upload it. And it just wasn't working. And what it was, or at least what I could identify is that Samsung, I had a Samsung phone, was doing a lot of post-processing to the photos. So long story short, this web app was not doing that. It's just opening the most generic version of a camera app. And it doesn't have upload capability short of like going, or it doesn't have upload capability beyond that, camera like i have to use their viewfinder and i have to click i have to like take it take it live and because it was dark with no post-processing it it's, doesn't look good so we had to get a flashlight out you know the whole bit but think about like something as simple as that it's like with web apps becoming more complex especially with web 3 stuff plug it into wallets and stuff there's a lot of intricacies there and and things that you wouldn't understand if you know nothing about cameras. If you know nothing about cameras, you've never cared about the camera, you've never you don't you don't take photos and you don't care about your your cell phone photos, you don't care about your cell phone's camera, you would never know that that was the problem. Never. And like to Google that like, "Hey, why does it look like crap?" Maybe you'll find the 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 reason, but it's like, are you going to learn how to specifically work with a Samsung with a specific with a non-specific browser? Because I'm on, I'm using Edge on mobile. A lot of people who use Chrome, but some people might use on their iPhone, say Safari. Like, what are they going to use? Firefox? Like, like look at the, the like look at the chaos that's <laughs> that's already ensued. And 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 we can see this in this insustainability, unsustainability in something like Android. I would say Android itself. Mike, how many years has it been, or were there, I suppose, where a random battery drain would happen, and it still happens sometimes.
2: Oh, yeah. It's like essentially that it was Android for forever. I mean, I haven't had it happen, to be honest, for a while now, but on my older Android devices, that was a consistent thing to the point where I just accepted it.
1: Right. And, and that happens, like, because... It's like, you know, there could be bugs or this and that, but it's like different app developers are are programming it for different versions of Android. And then there's backwards compatibility and forwards compatibility and this and that. And it's this complex web, which which causes a problem because maybe a Samsung phone allows for background tasks to run longer, but a a Xiaomi phone does not. And then it's like this whole thing. So, like, now a lot of these big manufacturers have an app, like I think mine's called, I forget, it's called like device health or something, where it will manage it and it'll tell me, hey, this app's using a lot of battery, is that okay? Or, hey, we're going to take permissions away from apps you don't use it for a while. Or, hey, we're going to not allow this thing to run in the background anymore. Uh, so we're going to kill that right away. Or, hey, this is using too much data. Like Samsung has like taken it upon themselves and a lot of other manufacturers as well to really like hone in on that. But even that causes problems. Sometimes that app does need those permissions. I don't realize it. It if- you know samsung takes it away because i haven't opened it in a while but it's a an app i use in the background i never noticed like i don't notice the pop-up the notification that tells me hey we're removing it because they do send you one of those to make sure that that's okay but i just missed that and now i have a broken app that's supposed to be monitoring something in the background i had no idea it's just it's one of those things where it's one of those things where like that's an that is a, a a consequence of complexity we're starting to see that with websites where stuff are cobbled together. We're using multiple web apps, multiple websites, stuff like that. And look at the size of, say, Google and their Android team. Look at the site. look at the problems. Windows was deleting files like a year and a half ago or something. There was a it was a glitch in one of the updates that was deleting people's like documents or something. Like, look at the size of Microsoft, look at the experience they have. And like, I'm sure they have a bunch of very specific roles you know, positions in a company where it's like, this person does this, this person does this, because otherwise there's going to be problems and there's still problems. We're just, websites are getting too complex. And that, that was kind of what, that—that that, that is my last sort of point is that these complexities, especially when we start adding cameras and microphones and stuff like this, it's, it's, it's just whack. Like it's, it's too crazy. Like it's, 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 it, it's too much for one person or even two people to manage, you really do need some, some, something to help them, which <laughs> is probably just more people and more specialities. But that's my, that's my closing note.
2: Yep. I think that's it. I think that's, that's a, that's a very good point there and a good closer.
1: All right. Well, if you enjoy episodes like this, Remember what we are on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML the things. And many thanks to our three dollar tier patrons, Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript on YouTube.com slash rabbitworks JavaScript. Garrick from LocalPath Computing and web design on localpathcomputing.com. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital via blueblackdigital.com. Chris from self made web designer via SelfMadeWebDesigner.com. Tim from the web Hacker via TheWebHacker.com. DL DLFord from dlford.io. Bibhash dash from Nineblock Media via nineblockmedia.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com. Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca. Magn- this from YesWeb via yesweb.se, Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff McHale, and edibloxians, game design for kids at edibloxians.com Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on. And this outro will sign us off.
0: You've been listening to HTML All the Things Podcast Signing off.